Hey guys, welcome to season two of Awakening the Sleeping Giant, The Beginning. In this season, we are going to be sharing with you how we even got started in ministry, how Awakening the Sleeping Giant even became a thing. Uh, so we're going to go way back, uh, 2008-ish, uh, and be talking about some of the things uh, that led us uh, to get to the point where we are today. So hope you guys are ready for this. It's going to be an amazing journey. We will be having episodes once a month for this season. Uh, and so on the first of every month, there will be a new episode. So be listening and waiting for that. In the meantime, you can go back and listen to any of the Awakening the Sleeping Giant podcast episodes uh, from previous seasons. So let's get into it, guys. So for us, ministry really began at one of the worst times in our life. Uh, it was 2007-ish, and I got fired from a job that I was working at. I was uh, an assistant manager at a, a local cafe, and um, I had got fired. Um, later to find out, um, you know, while we were friends with my boss, and later she told me that she really had no reason to fire me, um, and so obviously in that moment I was frustrated but I, I have come to know and realize that it really was the Lord uh, removing me out of a situation and starting to direct my life I didn't realize it at the time so I had lost my job um, and everything was just going downhill obviously you know I was angry at my friends who were my boss I, I didn't have a job uh, we ended up losing a house a couple months prior to that, um, not because I had lost my job or not because we couldn't even pay for it. Uh, we were in a lease purchase agreement uh, with some people that we knew, uh, and we actually came home to a note on our door from the bank letting us know that we had two weeks to leave because the people that we were paying were not actually paying their mortgage with the money that we were giving them. So the bank repossessed the house. We got kicked out and it was just a mess. And then I get fired on top of that, right? So just crazy stuff. So I'm like super depressed. Like, what am I going to do? There's no jobs, you know? And I remember I was, I was sitting on our bed and my wife came in and she said, babe, what are you going to do? And I said, you know what? I just don't know. And she said, well, what would you do if you could do anything? You know, and I just kind of chuckled at that. And, you know, it was kind of like that. What do you want to be when you grow up question, right? And I thought about it. I said, you know what? I would act. I love to act. And she said, well, why don't you do that? You're not doing anything anyway. There's no jobs out there anyway. Why don't you see what it takes to act? And so because my wife motivated me to do that, I got into acting. And I started to apply at uh, different agencies here in Michigan. And, and during that time period, there was actually a really huge tax incentive for Hollywood to bring their movies here. And so there were actually a lot of large films being filmed in Michigan. Uh, and so I started getting roles. I at first started getting some smaller roles uh, in some like B movies as an extra and really nothing of any significance. But over time, I started getting some really large roles and what's really interesting is that those larger roles um well i guess not larger roles i guess roles in larger movies i was always a background actor or a featured background actor um but the movies i was in were actually starting to be more well-known movies but it's really interesting how all of that correlates with my commitment to jesus and so you no know, being in movies as a background extra just was not paying enough uh, and we were really, really struggling. We ended up getting an eviction notice and it, it was, 
it was just a mess. And so what happened is we get this eviction notice, and although I had, you know, like a background of the church and I, I like knew of God, I didn't know God, if, if that makes sense to you. And so I remember going out in my front yard and just crying out to God because he was the only person I knew to cry out to that could do anything about it. I said, God, if you are real and if you love me and if everything I've heard about Jesus is true, I need your help. I need you now. I need you right now. And from that moment on, something like a trigger switched in me. And maybe part of it was for selfish reasons uh, and part of it was the Holy Spirit. But I know there was a change and, and I started approaching my film and my movies as a way to talk about Jesus. Now, mind you, I didn't know anything about ministry. I didn't know how to evangelize. I, I didn't I really didn't know much. Um, but I'm like, OK, how can I like impact Hollywood for Jesus, right? So in that, so within this time frame, the the Lord ended up providing us a house, uh, and it was just an amazing thing. We ended up getting the house paid off in three years, and I remember telling the Lord, "I said, God, I will do anything you want." Because at that that moment, I realized He loved me. I realized He was real. I realized that everything I learned about Jesus was true, and I said, "God, I am yours." I will go where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. And I will say what you want me to say without question. And from that moment on, my entire life radically changed. I started getting uh, roles in larger movies. Uh, I got uh, some featured background roles in Machine Gun Preacher with Gerard Butler and Real Steel with Hugh Jackman uh, you know, and a couple other big budget movies. Uh, and it was just an amazing time. I spent two years in the film industry um, just working as a background extra and a featured extra. It was so much fun. I just absolutely loved it. But eventually that came into it to an end. We had moved into our new house by this point. And so I was like, okay, Lord, now what, what do you want me to do now? What, what do you want me to do? And so he led my wife and I to get involved with this small Bible study that was taking place in this small town of Pullman, Michigan. Uh, and really, there was nothing happening. It was just a Bible study. Um, but it eventually turned into a church plant. And this is where my inexperience uh, and like my pride and selfishness completely comes out. I, I was like committed to God, right? I was so committed to God and, and I wanted him to get the glory. But the crazy thing is, is my flesh also wanted to receive the glory. So I wanted God to legitimately get the glory. But I wanted people to know that I was the one giving him the glory. Okay, so... This church or, or this Bible study, you know, ended up turning into a church and I gave myself the title of uh, like worship director. Uh, and I did that because they gave me 500 bucks to go buy a sound system and play songs off of my computer. Right. But I gave myself that and that's how I presented myself. Like nobody ever gave me that title. I, I took it upon myself to title myself that. And it was just it was awful. It, it went downhill really quick and you know and that's one of the reasons why we cannot step into full-time ministry prideful or wanting anything for ourselves because god will remove us from those situations and so god removed me from the situation but before he removed me from the situation i was working uh i got a new job i was working for a construction company uh really good christian people great company i actually loved my job and i had been volunteering 
you know, at this ministry and at this church and helping with that church plant. And I really felt the Lord asking me to leave my job to go serve there in Pullman full time. So I consulted with some people and prayed about it and you know, talked to my wife about it. And, and we both really felt like that's what God wanted me to do. And I quit my job uh, to go serve at this ministry, at this church full time. And it wasn't within a couple months that our relationship completely broke apart at this ministry. Um, I, I don't even remember all of the details, but it was really messy. That's all I remember. And here I am, no job, no ministry to work in. Felt I was listening to the Lord. I'm at home just like in disarray. Like, what was that all about? People already thought we were crazy. We went from living a life that did look that looked nothing like Jesus. I'm you know, I'm talking partying and drinking and drugs and hanging out, doing all this stuff, right? Like nothing like Jesus to radically giving our lives to him and just jumping headlong into ministry. And, and all of a sudden here I am, no job, no ministry. And I was just beside myself, you know, and my wife comes alongside me again. And, and this is what I love about godly wives is she steps into my life and she said, babe, I think you need to go run because that's where I spend so much time with God and I can hear him clearly. Maybe you should just start running. And I'm not a runner. I've got bad knees. I blew both knees out in a skiing accident, you know, and I'm like, I, I can't run. And she says, I really think you just need to start running. And so I've learned over the years to listen to my wife because she's usually right. And so I started running and that was the absolute best decision of my life. And so I was running one day on a run and I'm just praying and listening to worship music, you know, and now, mind you, now a couple years have gone by now from 2008. This is 2012. Now I've spent the last three, four years you know, just like digging into who God is, how do you become a Christian? I was studying and researching and I mean, I was, I was in and, uh, and so I'm running, it's 2012 and I'm just praying and, and I hear the Lord speak to me and this, and all he said was walk. And it was so clear. It could have been audible. And I love having verbal convert, like audible conversations with the Lord. And so, you know, I was talking, I said, Lord, like, what do you mean? Like, like actually you want me to stop running and walk so that's what i did and i was walking and i kept hearing the word walk and i was so frustrated because i'm a lord what are you talking about like i am walking like is this a metaphor you're trying to teach me like walk with me on this journey that you've been on like type of thing and you know and all the way home i just kept hearing the word walk so i get home talk to my wife about it and i said hey babe i said no, I was really hearing this word walk. I feel like the Lord is trying to tell me something, but I, I just don't understand what he's trying to say. So has he been talking to you about anything? And she said, no, no, he hasn't. And I said, all right, well, that's weird, I guess. I don't know what to do with that. So I kind of put that word in my pocket and, you know, kind of forgot about it. You no, know, and I get a phone call a month later from this guy named Lloyd, who I had met at this ministry and this church plant in Pullman. So he calls me up and he says, Hey John, um, I want you to come over. I want to talk to you about something. So I said, okay. So I go over to Lloyd's house and we're sitting on his front porch and he says, I got to tell you something, but you're probably going to think I'm crazy because so far everybody I've told this to thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, okay, well I'm game. Like what, what is it? And he says, John, he's like, I have been hearing the Lord tell me to walk. 
and I about fell off my chair. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And he says, I know, I know you think I'm crazy. I'm like, no, you don't understand. The Lord has been telling me to walk. And I don't know what it means. He said, well, the Lord has been telling me to walk to Washington, D.C. to go pray for the president. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We're in West Michigan. We're like 700 miles away (laughs) or something like that from Washington, D.C., right? And I said, wow, okay, well, let's pray about it. So we started to pray about it, uh, and, and some confirmations came that, yeah, that's what the Lord was asking. And so Lloyd and I started training together. We started walking together, and, you know, and I got a, a, you know, a walking backpack and shoes, and we started training together, you know, and Lloyd and I could never come to an agreement on when we were to leave and i had a date set in mind that was clear crystal clear that i felt was what the lord was asking me to leave on and that was september 3 2012 and eventually lloyd was not able to come on the walk with me Uh, i believe he ended up getting sick and you know we could never agree on a date and it was, you know, it was just like, it was a bummer because I really wanted to walk with Lloyd because we came really close during that. But I also wanted to be obedient to the Lord because of what I told him. So I continued to train. And on a September 3, 2012, I left Hamilton, Michigan and started walking to Washington, D.C. to go pray for the president of the United States. Now, there were a lot of things that the Lord had spoken to me about this time um first of all i could not ask my wife for any money while i was gone any money that uh was earned was to be for her i just had to trust the lord that he was going to provide um i could not ask anybody for money i could not ask anybody for a ride um and it was all 100 percent reliant on the lord and so i said okay lord like i'll do this but i need 300 dollars like to feel comfortable starting this journey so the day of the trip came and i had 100 dollars in my pocket and i said all right lord i don't have 300 but i'm trusting you i'm i'm just gonna start and so uh there was a local church here that kind of did a send-off in their parking lot about 50 people showed up to send me off and uh, my wife is in daycare, and, and, and she's a nanny, and one of the girls that she was caring for walked up to me, you know, and you know how you, you know, at least when you were a kid, you would fold that money up into, like, a little football and flick it? Well, she had a money folded up into a, a little football, and I always made it a practice that anytime anybody would give me money, I would just put it in my pocket. I wouldn't count it in front of them. Uh, obviously that's just not cool. And so she walked up to me, handed me this little football of money and I put it in my pocket. I didn't really think anything of it, you know, thought it was cute. And so I started walking and I get to my first stop, which is about eight miles or so up the road. And I unravel the money and it's $200, like literally the $300 that I told the Lord I needed, he gave me. And so that was the beginning of my walk to Washington DC in my, the beginning of Jennifer and myself just being a hundred percent sold out to doing whatever God asked. And so this journey, I ended up writing a book about it. Uh, if my shoes could talk, you can get that on Amazon. Uh, if my shoes could talk, it really is the, my journal that I published. There were so many people asking questions about it. I just found it easier to write a book uh, and publish my journal about it. So 
Um, I did publish uh, If My Shoes Could Talk as a way for people to see how God provided through that whole entire process. And so as I am walking you know, to Washington, D.C., like just so many crazy things happened along the way that are just totally, totally God-ordained. And, and so I walked, I got all the way to Washington, D.C. You know, people would buy me hotel rooms. You know, people would give me rides. You know, that was something that I wasn't planning on originally. You know, but the Lord said, you know, don't ask for rides, but you can accept a ride if it's given, and you can't tell them how far to take you. You just tell them to take me however far you feel led to take me. And so I got a few rides, and people would buy me hotel rooms, and they'd buy me lunch, and they'd let me stay in their house, and you know, all the stories are, are in my, my book if you want like more detail of, of those situations. But I arrived in Washington, D.C. I was just like at all. I, first of all, I couldn't, even, I couldn't believe I made it there. Like, what the heck? I, I just walked from Michigan to Washington, D.C. That's insane. And, and so I get there, and I don't really know what to do now. And I was like, Lord, what am I going to... What am I going to do? There was this event going on, too. The National Day of Prayer event was going on, which I knew nothing about. Somebody told me about it a couple weeks before I left, you know, but I actually had not anticipated being able to be there in time. It was it was scheduled earlier than my anticipated arrival date, and that's kind of a long story. But I get there, and I get there actually a day or two before this event is to start, and I'm like, okay, well, that'd be cool to kind of go to that thing. I don't really know anything about it, don't know what it is. Well, let's go check it out. And so I go in there, and it was 150 bucks to get in, and I only had $70 on me. And uh, I go up to the front desk, and I'm like, hey, you know, how much is it? Well, actually, I go to their prayer room. They had a 24-hour prayer room, and that was open to the public. So I go into their 24-hour prayer room, and I'm just praying, Lord, like, okay, I'm here. I don't have any money to get in. Like, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, go down to the front and see how much it costs to get in. I'm like, well, I know how much it costs to get in. He said, well, go down and ask. So I went down to the front. And I said, hey, I said, I just arrived here uh, from Michigan. I was wondering how much it costs to get in. And they're like, oh, you just drove in here? You know, did you just fly in or did you drive in? And I said, oh, no, I walked. And they just kind of chuckled like, oh, you walked here from your hotel? I'm like, no, I, I walked here from Michigan. And they were just in awe. Um, and long story short, Shirley Dobson ended up asking if I wanted to speak at this event. So I ended up speaking at this event of like 300 leaders for the National Day of Prayer. Uh, it was just crazy. I ended up speaking in front of all these people. I get in for 50 bucks. And it was just, it was insane. Totally insane. And so I'm there, you know, for, I think I've been there for five days. I, w- I was in D.C. And it was just amazing things happened. Just was able to pray over tons of people. Uh, unfortunately, the president wasn't there. You know, he was in Virginia at the time, which kind of like threw me for a loop. I was like, okay, well, Lord, you sent me here to pray for the president. And so I was kind of frustrated. And, you know, I prayed over some of the Secret Service guys at the White House. And I'm like, yeah, but Lord, you sent me here to pray for the president. And so we were walking around one day, a group of us, you know, praying throughout the city. And I hear the Lord say very, very clearly, he said, John, your prayer is going to be short, sweet, to the point, and about 30 seconds long. And I was like, wow, like that is really like specific. And I actually shared this with somebody else on that trip. And she's like, wow, that is very specific. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's really strange. And so nothing really happened. And on one of the days, uh, we had what they called a prayer concert. 
at the Sullivan Theater, which is right by the Washington Monument. And and so the whole idea of this was is is to have you know somebody leading it and just like praying over all of Washington D.C. and we're just kind of like all there in the crowd like praying with them. That was the idea. That's what they've always done. And so out of the blue, the guy who was supposed to be leading, well, who was leading the event, gets up on stage and he's like, "Yeah, we just really feel the Lord asking us to do something different this year." And so we are actually going to give everybody that feels led to pray a chance to pray from stage. And he said, so anybody that feels led to pray, you you can come up on stage, but your prayer needs to be short, sweet, to the point, and about 30 seconds long. Literally word for word what the Lord has spoken to me. And I about passed out. I was like, you've got to be joking me. And so I went up there and I prayed my prayer for the president in front of 300 people and anybody else that was there too. And and the amount of release that I felt after I said amen was incredible. Like I felt like I did what I came here to do and I was done. I was ready to go home. There were still a couple days left of the conference. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I did what the Lord asked me to do and I'm ready to go home. Uh, and so I'm sitting sitting in the, on the field in the grass where everybody else is after I got done praying. And I was just like, in awe, like, wow, like, this is, this is amazing, you know, and, but there was something that was still, like, nagging at me, and it was the fact that people kept giving me money, which really bothered me. I'd already done what I needed to do. I had a way home, but people kept giving me money. I was like, Lord, like, why are people all of a sudden giving me money now? I don't need it anymore. I'm already here. I'm already done. All my needs are provided. Why do people keep giving me money? I was so frustrated, and I'm sitting on the grass, And the Lord said, John, I want you to pull out your wallet and count your money. So I pulled out my wallet, counted my money, and there was $300 exactly. And the Lord said to me, and it it could have been audible. He said, John, I have provided everything for you on this trip to the penny. Never doubt me again. And that radically changed my life. I flew home from Washington, D.C., and I was like, okay, Lord, now what? What do I do now? And that's when the Lord led me to go to school. He said, you need to go to school. I said, I don't want to go to school. He says, I know you don't want to go to school. I'm like, Lord, I don't need to go to school for ministry. He's like, I know you don't need to go to school. But, John, there are people that you are going to encounter, and they need you to go to school. So I said, okay. I said, Lord, I'll go. I said, under two conditions. One, you've got to pay for it because I ain't got no money. And I'm not stopping until you tell me to stop. And I'm still in school today. I'm pursuing my PhD right now. And until the Lord tells me to stop, I'm going to keep going. And trusting the Lord to, to cover all the costs. And so I started school in 2013. And then the next phase of our journey began. And that is going to be next month's episode of how in the world we ended up on an island in the Caribbean serving Jesus.